You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on Easter Sunday, April 21st, 2019. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, an Easter good morning once again to all of you. It's so wonderful to see you all here this morning as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection together. But I want to imagine for a moment uh, what it was like for Jesus' disciples on Easter morning, and maybe even on on Good Friday as well. Imagine for a moment that you are one of Jesus' disciples, that you have followed him for three years, that you've laughed with him, you've cried with him, and you've seen him do some amazing things. Peter talks about some of those things in one of his sermons in the book of Acts. He's speaking to some Gentiles who were coming to faith in Jesus, and he tells them about what he had experienced as he followed Jesus around. This is Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. He talks about how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Imagine what it would be like to follow him around like that. And then on Palm Sunday, to to march with him into Jerusalem, Jesus riding on the back of a donkey, people shouting Hosanna with palm branches and laying them down on the ground as Jesus passed by. They thought Jesus was getting ready for the revolution. They thought their time had come. But just as they think that he's making his move to become king, to kick out the Romans, instead he's captured by the authorities and brutally executed by being nailed to a cross. How do you think he would feel as one of his followers, as one of his closest friends? Well, on Sunday afternoon, after Jesus had died on Friday, a couple of Jesus' disciples were walking on a road to Emmaus, which was a town near Jerusalem. 
And as they were walking, a fellow traveler came by and started walking with them. And so they started talking to him, and, uh, and, and the traveler asked why they looked so sad. And they said, are you the only one who doesn't know what's just happened? Jesus was big news. Everybody in Jerusalem knew who he was. Are you the only one who doesn't know these things that have taken place? And then they begin to describe what's happened, beginning in verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened here in these days? And the traveler says, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things have happened. Do you hear the sadness in his voice? We had hoped this was the one to redeem Israel. To say that means, in fact, that they they think now that he is not the one to redeem Israel, that their hope is lost, that that which they had been working for and laboring for and praying for and hoping for for three years had been dashed to pieces by Jesus' death on the cross. If all you knew about Jesus is that he died on a cross, that he's just another failed rebel leader who tried to become king of Israel, and there were many such leaders in Israel's history. But there was a glimmer of hope for these men. They said it was three days since these things had happened, But moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now you might say, why didn't they believe these women? Right? I mean, They saw Jesus, not Jesus himself, but they saw that his tomb was empty. These were trustworthy people, but it seems to them an idle tale, it said in our gospel lesson this morning. And it shows you that you should probably listen to the women in your life, because they often have good things to say to you. Just saying. Anyway, my wife has great things to say to me all the time. There was a glimmer of hope for these two men. They had heard this tale from the women of their company, And they said that Jesus' body wasn't there anymore. What these men didn't yet realize is that this man walking with them was Jesus. They just didn't recognize him yet. And these rumors of the resurrection were entirely true. And there was hope for them because of the resurrection. Jesus would later reveal his identity to them when he would sit down with them at dinnertime and break bread. And it says in the book of Luke that he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They recognized him finally, and then he disappeared from their sight. They got to see him again later. We talk a lot as Christians about the cross and about how Jesus died for our sins. And this is true, and we should talk about it because it's a very important piece of our faith. It's a very important part of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But Good Friday without Easter is meaningless. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
Paul is talking to some people who aren't so sure about this resurrection business. And what he says to them, beginning in verse 17, is that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Without the resurrection of Jesus, everything else in our faith makes no sense. Think about the disappointment of those two men on the road to Emmaus. Their hopes were dashed apart. We had hoped this was the one to redeem Israel. But of course now that's not going to happen. That's what it's like to have the cross without the resurrection. But Paul continues in 1 Corinthians. He says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise God. That's good news right there. All those who are dead will come alive. All those of us who are spiritually dead will have new life breathed into us. The resurrection is God's seal of approval on the work that Jesus did on the cross on Good Friday. It's proof that Jesus' death was not in vain. It was, in fact, a victory and not a failure. The resurrection is the means by which Jesus defeats death forever. There's no resurrection without the crucifixion. And the crucifixion is meaningless without the resurrection. The two have to go hand in hand. We can't have one without the other. And this is why Easter is the most important celebration of the Christian year. It's our defining moment as Christians. It's the event that changes everything. And it's the event that makes us who we are. But we might ask, what difference does it make in my life today? It's cool that that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm really glad that Jesus wasn't in the, the tomb anymore, that he rose from the dead. That's, that's a really cool fact of history. But what difference does it make in my life in 2019? Well, I think it, it makes three differences in our life. There's more, but I'm just going to focus on three this morning. The first is that our sins are washed away. I mentioned one of Peter's sermons in the book of Acts earlier, and at the conclusion of that sermon, he says this. Acts 10.43 To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we believe in him, everything bad that we've done is washed away. When we confess our sins to him, when we repent, any way that we've turned against God, any way that we've turned against one another, God washes it away because Jesus forgives us. And he's able to do that because his blood cleanses us. So we receive forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. That's the first blessing. The second blessing is that it means that death is not the end for us. Paul continues in the book of 1 Corinthians to say this, chapter 15, beginning at verse 52. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, 
and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Death has no sting any longer. There was a a lot of uh, peace that came upon me once when I realized that these carpenter bees that used to bore into our house and they made these, have you seen them before? They're enormous bees. And I don't like bees because I don't like getting stung. But I realized one day that these enormous carpenter bees that were boring holes in the, the wood siding of our house have no stinger. And it changed the world for me to realize that they have no stinger, that I have nothing to fear about these bees because they can't hurt me in any way. I can go in and hurt them because they're hurting my house. I can spray stuff on them. They're not going to attack me because they have no sting. And that's how death is for us as Christians because in Jesus, death has no sting. Death has no victory. Death no longer has any hold on us. And so these weak bodies that we have today, these bodies that get sick, that get broken legs, that get pneumonia, that get all kinds of cancer and all kinds of bad things, will one day be raised imperishable, impervious to sickness, impervious to pain, and impervious to death. That is the victory Jesus has won for us on the cross. And so as we think about all those people that we love who have gone before us, all those people we love who are now in the grave, we know that one day those who are in Christ will be raised and we'll have the chance to see them once again. And that brings us peace too. So our sins are washed away. Death no longer has any hold on us. Its sting has been removed, and finally, it means that we are no longer slaves to sin. Not only are our former sins washed away, Jesus helps us to no longer be slaves to sin in the future. And that is a great hope as well. Because our fallen nature holds us captive, unable to choose the good that God has for us. We read in Romans this morning these words. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has any dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Sometimes we do feel indeed like we are in bondage to sin, like we can't choose the good that God wants for us. Or sometimes we think that God is keeping good things from us, like the sin is the fun stuff, and all this this holiness stuff that God is calling us to, that's the no fun stuff. But that's a lie straight from the enemy. I'm sure you've all heard the the Billy Joel song, Only the Good Die Young, right? He says, the sinners are much more fun. But it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie that comes straight from Satan himself. 
God desires good things for us. He wants us to have a life that's filled with joy. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that he came so that we could have life and have it abundantly, or have it to the full. And in the same verse, he says that those who came before him are thieves and robbers, and that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There's no joy there. But Jesus comes that we might have life and have it abundantly. One commentator talking about this verse says that Jesus calls his followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, and joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with his people. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want. That sounds amazing. And as a Christian, that's the life I get to live. And that's the life you get to live. So how do we go about receiving this abundant gift of life from Jesus? We pray, confessing our sins, thanking Jesus for the cross, and asking him to be Lord of our lives. And you can pray like this to ask Jesus into your life for the first time, or if you've drifted away from him, you can pray it over and over again, asking him to come back, or for you to come back to him. And God will always accept you back with open arms. There's nowhere you can go that's too far from God's love, too far for God to accept you back. And so you can pray something like this, and if you want to, we can all bow our heads. If you want to pray with me, you're welcome to. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my faults, shortcomings, sins, and rebellious acts, and ask you to forgive me. I embrace you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for your atoning death on the cross in obedience to your Father's will to put away my sins. I enthrone you, Lord Jesus, to be in charge of every part of my life, and I ask you to indwell and empower me with your Holy Spirit, so that I may live as your faithful follower from now on. Amen. If you prayed that prayer now, please tell me about it after the service, or tell a Christian that you know and love and trust, because you don't want to go this life alone. You don't want to follow Jesus by yourself because he's given us the body of the church, the fellowship to help us in this journey together. And so if you tell me or tell one of your friends who's a Christian about this, we'll help you get plugged into the body of the church and help you to grow in your discipleship and grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord, to know his ways. And if you're already walking with Jesus, I want to close by encouraging you with these words from Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of life that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have forgiven our sins. We thank you that you have conquered death forever. And we thank you that we are no longer slaves to sins, but that you free us to follow you freely. We thank you for the abundant life that you offer us. We thank you for the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.